Welcome. This is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. We want to thank you for taking time to listen to our Sun, Salt, and Light broadcast. We want you to know and grow in the Son, S-O-N, Jesus Christ, and be the salt and the light. We'd like to thank you so much for taking time to listen to this broadcast. We simply teach the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter, and we believe that God changes a life one verse at a time. I'd like to personally invite you out to come and see the church. Uh, it is a very casual atmosphere, and uh, but we do take the Word of God very seriously. We meet in a non-traditional church building. We actually meet at the BFW 3966 in Divine, Texas. It's located at 211 West College Avenue, big white building right next to the post office. Our service times are on Sunday when we go through the New Testament uh, at 10 a.m. and then on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. we go through the Old Testament. Uh, we have children's ministry available for both services and if you need to get more information on the church you can go to calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bible ready, today we'll be in the book of Mark chapter 14 verses 43 through 52. The title of this sermon is Jesus Betrayed, Arrested, and Scripture Fulfilled. Here is the first half of this two-part study. So in Mark 14 and verse 32, I'm going to read down to verse 42 to kind of get us the picture of where we left off. And it says, And they went to the place of Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with them Peter and James and John, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that, if it were possible that the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to, Simon, he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray uh, that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping. For their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Is it not enough the hour has come? The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See my betrayer is at hand. So Jesus had been in a very intense prayer about the cup of wrath can it pass is there any other way father and and god the father's there's no other way and he knows that now his eyes are are set to the cross he knows what he has to do and now as we get into this judas is going to return back into the scene and so we're going to see it a lot the reason why i read that to you is even as he's crying out and asking for that cup to be passed is there any other way? He was being strengthened by angels for what was going to come. And now he's going to be betrayed by uh, Judas with a kiss in the garden. Remember the parallels of the Garden of Eden and the Garden of Gethsemane. There's a lot of parallels there, and we'll go over some of those. So let's look at our first point, sealed and betrayed with the kiss. And immediately he, he was still speaking. Judas came, and one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now we know in Matthew chapter 26, verse 47, it says Judas came with him with a great crowd. With a great crowd. And so he sent, they were sent from the, uh, the chief priests and elders, and they not only sent 
Roman guards, but they also sent temple police that were with them. But here's Judas the betrayer back on the scene again. And he had intimate relationship with Jesus for three years. He heard the gospel. He saw the grace of the gospel uh, not only be preached, but be applied. And yet he rejected the gospel and rejected Jesus Christ. And there are going to be people that do that. It happens. It's sad when it happens, but it happens. Their hearts have just gotten so hard, they just don't want to hear the truth anymore. And all we can do at that point is just continue to pray that God softens that that hardened heart that gets calloused. In John 6, verses 70 and 71, it says, Jesus answered, Did I not choose the twelve? And yet one of you is the devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Jesus always knew. And that's what I've told y'all before, is there's nothing that takes God by surprise. Where you go, oh, man, I didn't think he was going to do that. I didn't think you were going to go left. I thought you were going right. That's, you're not taking God by surprise. You're not hiding anything from God. So Judas was always known who he was. And, and sadly, Jesus knew this as he's stealing money from the money bag. Jesus knew. In John 12, 6, it says, He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used, him, uh, used to help himself to what was put into it. This is very important for us to know. There's a very strong principle that I want as kind of a side note for us to remember. If you have to go to great lengths to cover something up, it's wrong. You're not hiding anything from God. Okay? You're not. You need to just go ahead and repent and deal with it with the Lord. Uh, Judas was sitting here stealing money, thinking he's getting away with it, but Jesus knew. And eventually his heart gets so hard that Satan enters. He probably believed at first, he probably believed that Jesus, Judas probably believed that Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman government, but that was it. And that if he hung with Jesus, there was a chance that he could come from a place of poverty to a place of prosperity and be someone of power and money because he was one of the disciples of Jesus. That's what his thoughts were. And we know that he's went to the, uh, to the chief priests and elders in Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 and 16. Then one of the twelve who, whose name was Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver, and from that moment he sought an opportunity to betray him. I told you all this before. The cheapest amount of you could pay for a slave that time, when Jesus was on the earth, was 30 pieces of silver. That's what Jesus was bought for. 30 pieces of silver. And it's a reminder to us that, that Jesus dealt with betrayal. And you're going to deal with it too. Every one of you will have somebody betray you, maybe once, maybe twice in your lifetime, where you just, it takes almost like it's taking a piece of your heart out. Because it hurts so bad. Because the people who betray you are the ones that are closest to you. They're the ones that know you. And, and it hurts when it happens. And so one thing you need to remember, it, it happened to Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, verse 23, it says, Then Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan. In foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. This was the foreknowledge this was going to happen. Scriptures had to be fulfilled. This was going to happen. Zechariah, uh, verses 11, 12, and 13, it says, Then I said to them, if it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. 
And they weighed out as my wages 30 pieces of silver. The Lord said to me, throw it into the potter. And the Lord priced at it, which, was, uh, which I was priced uh, by them, so that I took uh, 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the, the house of the Lord to the potter. And the scripture had to be fulfilled. And here they are, Judas bringing not only these men, uh, and, and we know this because in John 18.3 it says that they had accrued a, a, a band of soldiers. Some of your translations may have a cohort. A cohort. The, the, the Greek word for cohort or for band of soldiers is 600 men. 600 men filled with Roman guards and some uh, temple police carrying lanterns and torches, swords and clubs, and they come to, to grab Jesus. You can understand something here because they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus would have seen them coming. It takes about 20, 20 minutes to walk up the Mount of Olives to get to the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's on, a, it's on a slope. So you have 600 people coming carrying torches. You would have seen it. Jesus could have escaped at any moment and went into the, the wilderness of Judea. And he didn't do it. He didn't do it. He knew what he had to do on the cross. In Luke chapter 22, verse 52, it says, Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, Have you come against me with robber, uh, against a robber with swords and clubs? So not only were there the temple police, but there were some elders that were there as well. So you had the religious people there as well. And man, religion loves to, to, to bite down on people. And what we have with Jesus is a relationship. Religion loves to, to, to squelch the, the Holy Spirit. We have to be very careful of that. And it's sad that these men, through all this time, but they have been wanting to kill Jesus. Now they decide, hey, I'm going with the 600, and I'm going to watch that man get arrested. It's about time. We're going to stop this little movement. It's coming to an end. And they think they're doing right by God. Because it was affecting them. It was affecting the way that they made money in the temple. It was affecting the way that they taught, they taught because Jesus taught with authority. They had, Jesus had crowds coming to watch and teach and they couldn't get nobody. It's not about the crowd. It's about what's being taught. And so we know in, in verse 44 it says, Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up, up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Every time I read this, for, and this is just B.C. days, it just reminds me of the Corleone family when, when Fredo, you know, does wrong to the family and Michael gives him the kiss. Like, I know it was you. Because it's such a betrayal. And, and I know that's got nothing to do with it. That's just, you know, when I first came to Christ, that's how I wrapped my head around this verse. But then I, as I started studying Scripture a little more as I became a, a, a new believer in Christ, and I remember running across this verse in Psalm 41.9. It says, Even my close friend in whom I trust, who I ate bread with, has lifted his heel against me. It's sad that people do this. And uh, it happens, unfortunately, way too much. But we know that that in Luke chapter 22, verse 3, that Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. So 
one of the other things that hit me is, is as he's given the kiss of Satan that's kissing Jesus. Because Satan had entered into Judas. And Satan's probably thinking, got you. We got you. This is over. And it would have been custom for a, a, a rabbi to be kissed. And this uh, word in the Greek actually means a, a, and a continual affection. Fervently kissing the person. And yet Satan entered Judas and Satan kissed Jesus. In Proverbs 27.6 it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Why? Because a friend does it out of love. Sometimes he may correct you or she may correct you in love. Right? But the worst ones are the fake ones that kiss you and kiss up to you. And yet they're, they're, they're your enemy. Because see, Judas portrayed Jesus with a kiss. See, a true friend corrects when you're wrong. I've known Isaiah since, what, 2010, 11, 12, somewhere around there. If he came to me and said, Mike, what you're doing is wrong, I would take every bit of what he's saying as truth. I've known Reuben long enough for him to do that. I've known Court long enough for him to do that. If they came to me and told me, Mike, I value their friendship that much. If Joe came and told me that, I've known Joe since 2008. And trust me, Joe has told me times, hey, you need to work on this. And it hurts. It, it hurts every time somebody tells you, man, hey, man, you hurt me. Or, hey, the way you said this, there was no love in this. Are you okay? But I love them enough to, to appreciate the fact that they care about me enough to check on me and help me and correct me. But the enemy will act like he likes you or she'll act like she likes you and kiss up to you. And then what do they do? They, they deceive you. They, they'll let you go ahead and just keep making a fool of yourself. They don't care. They don't care. A legitimate friend will actually help you walk away from an evil thing and not let you go to it. That's a real friend in Christ. And that's what we need to surround ourselves with. Our second point is cease to fulfill the Scripture. And we're going to see that there are certain uh, Scriptures that need to be fulfilled as, as Jesus was being arrested. And they laid hands on Him and seized Him. And I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 26, 50. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. That's what he tells Judas. Friend. As he's being crucified on the cross, he's, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How many times are you to forgive? And yet you don't want to. And we see it time and time again in Jesus' life. And they seized him. The Greek word means to seize with power, to take possession, to be the master of or to rule over. So they're seizing him as, okay, this is it, you're done. Your little reign, whatever this little band of people that you had following you, it's over. We're seizing you. And, and what's sad is, is as you read the Scripture, but, there, uh, but one of those who stood there drew a sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. As you, as you see him being seized, there's no charges that were ever given. He was just seized. And that goes against the Sanhedrin's rules. They're breaking their own rules. And then we have Mr. Peter, my favorite. Because it says, But the one who, of those who stood by and drew his sword and struck his servant of the high priest and cut off his ear, right? 
So who cut off his ear? We know it's Simon Peter in, in John chapter 18. This is why, again, remember when we started this book, I told you all the synoptic gospels are so important because they're different camera angles and you get, you get more information. And what's cool is Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have the account, but John has this account as well. And that's why it's important to understand Scripture when you're, when you're studying it. In John 18, 10, verse 11, it says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword... Why did Peter have a sword? He's ready to go, right? He drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So we even know the guy's name. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So Jesus immediately heals him. And we know that from Luke chapter 22, verse 51. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. So Peter is rebuked by Jesus. And I mean, you got to give it to Peter. There are 600 Roman soldiers and temple officers combined, right? And Peter pulls his sword out. He's, he may be stupid, but he's brave, Right? And, and sadly, he, you know, thank God he hit the ear. He was probably aiming for the head. He may have been trying to hit Judas. We don't know. He ends up cutting off an ear. And one thing I want to make sure you get out of this is this is all emotions, feelings, and anger. Peter did this in his emotions and feelings, and then anger pursued it, and then wrath right behind it. He fell into sin. But what did Jesus tell him? You know, maybe you should have been awake when, when you were supposed to be praying because you fell right into that temptation. Matthew 26, verse 51 through 53, and it says, And behold, one of, one of those who were there, uh, who were uh, with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew a sword, struck the servant of the high priest, and cut off his ear. And then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Violence breeds violence. Okay? The gospel is not violent. The gospel is not violent. I am a, and we'll, we'll talk about this because, you know, we know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah 6, 15, it says, And as the shoes of your feet have been having put on the readiness given by the gospel of what? Peace. Yes, you have a sword. The sword is the Word of God. You don't have a physical sword. You have a Bible. And that's why we went over that this past week, Ephesians 6, 17, and take, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the Word of God. And, and back in Matthew, it, it tells you, do, do you not think I cannot appeal to my Father and He will at once send more than 12 legions of angels? He's like, look, I can, this can end right now. But it's not supposed to. This is not what the Father wanted. See, Peter is dealing with his own self-interest. And he was, instead of living by God's authority and seeing the Scriptures be fulfilled, he wanted to see his own, his own self-interest be taken care of. Now, don't get me wrong. Peter had a lot of zeal, but it was misplaced zeal. This is what happens when, we, when somebody speaks out in anger. How are you going to respond? You know, how are you going to react? Are you going to lash back out at them? Because let me tell you something, when people start pulling out swords of anger, it, it becomes bloody. 
because it gets us battled back and forth. And that's not what we are. We, it is the gospel of peace that we have. Anybody ever watch hockey? I know I'm probably the only one. Hockey is a really crazy thing, man. It's, it's pretty cool to watch in person. It's hard to watch on TV. But let me tell you, some of the, some of the, the, the greatest players were the scorers, right? But you, you cannot be uh, someone in hockey that just allows your anger to keep you in the penalty box. Right? You spend all your time in the penalty box and you're not scoring goals. You're not being used for what you were supposed to be out there to be used for. You're actually hurting the team because you're sitting in the penalty box. And Jesus asked that question in verse 48 in Mark 14. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out against me as a, against me, a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? These men were, were coming in power. And the sword was power. It was used for fear at the time. And they used the sword to control and manipulate uh, the people. The religious leaders used it to bring the thugs with the swords. And he's like, you, you come to me. And he goes, I've been in the temple. I've been, y'all have seen me. You could have arrested me at any time. And see, Jesus isn't protesting the arrest. He's protesting the way that the chief priests and the elders are handling it. It's the way that they're handling it. They're, they're, they're handling him as if he's a robber. Now, he's going to be put between two robbers on the cross. And yet, he didn't belong there. Who was supposed to be there? Barabbas. It's sad. But he tells them in verse 49, Day after day I was with you in the temple and you did not seize me. You didn't seize me. A couple of things that are real important. What time of day did they come to pick him up? It was nighttime. Where did they come to pick them up? In the garden. They didn't do it in the city. Why? Because there could be a riot. They would protest. And so they did it at night and away from the city. That's what Jesus was upset about. That's what he was upset about. The way that you're handling it, the way that the chief priests and the scribes, they're breaking all of their laws to get what they want. We see that happening today in our world. We have a, a, a law that we're supposed to follow and yet we don't follow it. When 75% of our laws were based upon the Bible, when we walk away from the law of God, we walk away from the law of, of the land, we're walking away from the Lord as well. And we're seeing cities like New York and Los Angeles and Chicago that are just, they look like places that I served in combat, literally. And, and it breaks my heart, man, because at the end of the day, those are broken people. They're broken. They're being left to their own devices. Some people need the law. Sometimes when somebody gets put in jail, that's the time when they go, I need Jesus. Prison ministry is one of those things, man, that, you know, Matt and, um, and, and Jimmy and Mike Rios and them are looking at going to the juvenile detention centers here hopefully soon in the next year. Let me tell you something. A lot of times that's... that's rock bottom for people and that's when they come to the place where you know what i've done everything my way i need to i need to do it jesus's way and they give their life to christ we need to understand that that, that we have you know as we look at this they're breaking their own laws that they're walking away from the things that they were supposed to be doing um <laughs> think about it they were telling jesus during the sabbath that they're breaking the law of the sabbath and yet they're breaking the law hypocrites Whitewashed tombs. 
In Luke chapter 23, verse 43, or 53, I love what it says. When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this hour and the power of darkness. Power of darkness. Satan is at work. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, it says, He delivered us up from the dominion of darkness and transformed us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. And in John, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, it says, This is the message that we heard from Him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him, we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. Think about it. I remember when they had to come, we had a huge leak backed up, I think, where the easement was for our house, and they had to come in and they dug it took almost a week for them to fix the saws. It, ha it happened at nighttime. Man, you want to see something scary? Open that manhole and shine a light in it. And you see all the roaches just... And that's what light does. They scatter. They don't want to be near the light. They want to keep everything in the dark. And that's what they were trying to do here. They're trying to keep it all in the dark trying to keep it all under wraps because they're going to have his, as we go into the next few weeks, they're going to have his trial. They're going to just keep, let's just get it going so we can get him crucified. But he says, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. You know, there's some 108 prophecies that have been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Even in Zechariah's prophecy, it was written some 500 years before when it talks about them, uh, the shepherd and the sheep, uh, as the sheep scatter in Zechariah 13:7, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the, the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered, and I will turn my hand against the little ones. That prophecy was written some 500 plus years before Jesus ever walked the earth. And it was fulfilled along with 108 other ones. And the probability of those things being fulfilled, when you look at the math on it, there was a mathematician, I believe, out of Stanford that actually did the math on it. It's crazy. I mean, it's, it's just absolutely crazy. And yet we know that even in the book of Isaiah and, and, and chapter 53, there were so many prophecies that were fulfilled time and time again. How many prophecies did Muhammad fulfill? Not a one. Not a one. How many did Joseph Smith fill? Not a one. Jesus did. And he's going to continue as he comes back during his second coming. And then he's not going to be the lamb. He'll be the lion. In Mark 14, 27, And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. And we know that they all took off. They all took off. In, 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 the, in verse 50, And they all left him and fled. They booked. They're gone. Like, I'm out of here. They seize Jesus. They have swords. They have clubs. They have power. We're done. And they scatter. And he knew this. And it's sad because, you know, at the end of the day, that happens sometimes. You know, you, you start serving with somebody and, and you, you try to figure out what happened and they just scatter. It happens. You can end up in a room like this and they go, well, this is not what I thought this was going to be. And they scatter. And it's like, you know, Jesus went from place to place, spoke outside, spoke in a boat. Now, I would have loved to have been there for that one, right? That's beach ministry, 101, man. You want to be there for that. But the church is never a building. We forget that. These things had to happen. 
everything being set up by God. John 15, 20 says, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All. They all fled. All of them fled. Uh, you choose to follow Christ, you will be persecuted. Not once, many times. And, and persecution is different for, for different places. Some people lose their life. Some people put, are put in jail for their belief in Jesus. I think, I think America is going through just a little taste of what it is to be pressed. I would like to thank you for taking time to listen to our broadcast. This is uh, Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. If you're someone like me who is, uh, listens to a lot of podcasts, you can also listen to us on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Audible, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, just type in Calvary Chapel uh, Divine and you'll, you'll be able to track us down. And lastly, I just wanted to invite you out to church. Uh, we are a casual church that meets in a non-traditional building, uh, meaning that we meet at the VFW 3966 on West College Avenue, big white building right next to the the post office. Uh, if you want to get more information about our church, if you need to ask uh, some questions or you even need prayer, just go to calvarydivine.org. And uh, we want to thank you again just for listening to this broadcast of Calvary Chapel Divine Texas, Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. God bless you. Have a good one.